The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. So on Tuesday, uh, on Tuesday, JJ asked me if I'd be willing to preach this morning. He claimed that it was because he might be out of town uh, for some softball. I think he just didn't want to get in trouble on Mother's Day. He wanted me to be up here for that. Um, I do, uh, I'm going to preach a sermon in a second that's going to ignore the fact that it's Mother's Day. So before I do that, uh, I want to acknowledge um, Mother's Day. Um, you know, my, uh, I love my mom. Um, she's meant, obviously, a lot to me my whole life. Five or six years ago, uh, my parents got divorced, um, and mom moved in with me. So for the last five or six years, I've, again, uh, after 17 years as a kid living with mom, I've now lived five or six years as an adult uh, living with my mom. Um, it's still not enough for me preaching to compete with the grandkids around the corner. She's still not here. She's right over there at Grace Life uh, with my sisters, <laughs> my sisters and, and her grandkids. Um, I told her I was preaching, and she said, well, that's nice. Um, but I do, uh, I very much appreciate, uh, we love um, all the mothers here. Um, I also, um, you know, I joke, but I do want to um, take a second too and acknowledge, like almost any holiday, um, Mother's Day can also be a day that um, some people feel a lot of pain or sorrow. I, we as a church want to acknowledge that, the people who um, maybe you've lost your mom, maybe you had a broken relationship with your mom, um, maybe you're a woman who has wanted to be a mother, and for whatever reason that hasn't happened, so we, we do also, at least I want to also acknowledge that, um, even as we um, say that we appreciate and love all the, the moms in, in, in our church. Um, we're going to look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 1 here in a second. Um, it's pretty common, I think it's pretty common to hear people uh, sometimes attack Christianity, attack the faith by calling it uh, a crutch. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but I've been in lots of conversations over the years where um, people have wanted to use the, the line of reasoning that Christianity or faith in God and Jesus um, is just a, a crutch. And what they, they mean by that is they're trying to um, say that they are uh, smarter, better, more well-adjusted, and they don't they don't need that, right? That Christianity, that faith in God is just for people who need this like crutch to, to get through life. And, and sometimes I think even uh, supporters of Christianity can speak of it uh, like that. I actually just read, um, there was an essay uh, in an article uh, in the Wall Street Journal just last week by this business professor um, at, at NYU. Um, she was writing as if I think she was a Christian, but this was not like a, not a Christian publication or a Christian article, but she was just writing about um, kind of the epidemic of loneliness um, that, uh, that a lot of people experience nowadays, um, how technology and even some things related to COVID in the past few years have really increased this feeling of, of loneliness and disconnection that people have. And uh, in the course of that, of that article, um, she mentioned that one of the things that we could do is find small communities that offer natural peace that the world doesn't give us. And she even mentioned church as one of those things. And, and she didn't mean that as a bad thing. She meant it as a, as a good thing. That church, that, that faith, that religion uh, can be a thing that operates as a kind of crutch to get people through life. Um, I think what Paul is going to tell us in, in our passage, though, is that um, the Christian life, the Christian faith, is less like a crutch. It's not just something that helps us 
um, hobble through life, that helps us get through times of suffering, that helps us get past the things that are hard uh, in this world and in this life. Um, but instead, it's, it's more like a, a shovel. Uh, it's a shovel that deepens um, our security, our hope, right? That even, even the, the suffering that, that we go through, even that um, God uses to, to grow us and to strengthen us. And so then our faith, um, it's not a, a crutch that just helps us get through, um, but it's, it's something more than that, right? It, it gives us peace and hope even in the midst of suffering. I want us to look at Romans chapter 5, um, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And our hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. In the first four chapters of Romans, um, I think the adults have been going or went through Romans recently, maybe. Uh, in the first four chapters of Romans, um, Paul establishes over and over and over again um, that we are saved by faith alone, that we are justified by faith alone. He even makes sure that his readers understand that it's always been that way, right? That even, even Abraham, even the patriarchs in the Old Testament were saved uh, by faith. Um, that it wasn't their obedience to the law, um, but it was their faith that justified them, their faith that caused them to be declared or counted or credited righteous uh, in the eyes of God. And Paul, Paul gives us in chapters 1 through 4 of Romans um, this reality that, that that is the heart of the gospel, that we are made right with God uh, through faith alone. And now in Romans chapter 5 and going on through Romans chapter 8, Paul is going to turn his attention from that reality, from that truth, from that doctrine, um, to our hope in the coming glory of God uh, in heaven. Um, in Romans 5, 1 through 11, he's going to give us um, what I think is a, an argument uh, for what we get from our justification. So the first question that I want to ask and, and answer is, what does our justification secure? What do we have because we are justified before God? So not, not only has God um, in Christ through faith uh, made us right with him, we are justified. There are three other things um, that I think that justification gives us. Um, that's the question that I want to answer. The first, the first blessing that we get, the first thing that justification secures in the life of the believer is, is peace. Look again at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but when I hear the word peace, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is just this sense of like, serenity. So I hear peace, and the first thing I think of is the, the peace that you feel when you are like walking along a beach at sunset, um, or when you're sitting in a hot tub at the beach. I'm ready to go to the beach. It's almost summer. Uh, that, that's, that's what the word peace does to me. It makes me think of that kind of serene peace that we have when things are, are calm. 
Um, I don't think that that's what Paul means uh, when he says peace here. Uh, I think Paul, um, when he says that we have been justified by faith and now have peace uh, through uh, peace with, with God through Jesus, um, I think he means peace as in the absence of war, the absence of conflict. He's reminding us that um, Jesus accomplished for us on the cross um, rescue and peace with a God um, who has wrath and fury um, at our sin, right? Um, I think that's the kind of peace that he's reminding us, that, that we um, were under wrath, um, because of our sin, and yet now, through justification, through faith in Jesus, through what God has done for us, uh, we have peace. Um, we have peace with God. I think of, um, there's an author uh, named Henry David Thoreau, which for most of you is probably just a name of somebody from high school that you never actually read, um, in the, one of those big lit books. He, he was in there, I promise. Uh, you might not have actually turned to it, but um, Henry David Thoreau uh, was this old um, American writer. He wasn't a Christian, didn't really uh, even have a, a belief in, in God necessarily. But there's this story where uh, on his deathbed, uh, he had an uncle who was a minister. Uh, and as Henry David Thoreau was dying, this, this uncle tried to share the gospel with him. And the story goes that he started with the question of, um, are you at peace with God? So Henry David Thoreau is on his deathbed and his uncle is saying, did you have peace with, with God? And Henry David Thoreau, even in the midst of dying, uh, just tried to joke about it, and he said, well, peace with God, I didn't know we were fighting. <laughs> he, had, he had no understanding uh, of how um, his relationship with God had been broken uh, through sin. But one of the things that we have, um, because we have been justified, if we have been justified through faith in Jesus, um, is we are no longer uh, at war with God. Um, that is how Paul talks about it. Unbelievers, we in our unbelief... Um, are at war with a holy God, um, a holy God who cannot uh, stand for our sin. Um, Paul talks about that in the first few chapters of Romans. You'll see it um, everywhere. Um, you can think of uh, in Romans chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Paul says, those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress um, for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. There's a serious message of God's war uh, against people who are at war uh, with him, um, the awful state of being without peace. Um, but thanks be to God, if we've been justified through faith in Jesus, um, that's not us. Um, if we are Christians, if we, we have that faith um, in what Christ has done for us, uh, we have peace, real peace. Um, we've been made right with God, and we can live in that the second blessing that justification secures for us um, is daily grace. Look at, verse, look at verse 2. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Uh, on one hand, every Christian, every Christian stands in grace, right? The, the idea is one of, of, of permanence. Think of a, a mountain standing on, on the ocean floor, surrounded uh, by the by the seas, the we like that we stand in an ocean of grace. This is what God did. It is an accomplished fact. It's a present reality. We've been justified. We are forgiven. We are at peace with God. We have grace. God did this to us, and He did this for us. Um, he He finished the work. That's that's what that middle part of that verse is about. This grace in which we stand. On the other hand, in the same sentence, Paul says we have access 
to grace. So on the one hand, grace is ours because we've been saved. On the other, grace is something that we have to pursue every day, that Christians have to pursue every day. Um, you see that tension all, all throughout the, the Bible. Jesus, um, Jesus is always with us. And yet in James chapter 4, verse 8, we're told to draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Um, God is always with us, and yet Scripture tells us to draw near to him. Uh, you can think of Christ's mercy, um, the mercy of Christ addressed in the past, our greatest need, our sin. And yet we're told in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, so yes, you're justified if you're a Christian. Yes, you have peace with God. You're like that mountain surrounded by a sea of God's grace, but you still must pursue grace to help in time of need daily grace. How, how do we, um, how do you uh, get through a hard day? Grace. How do you battle sin? Uh, grace. How, how do you receive a difficult word from a friend? Grace. How do you pursue a challenging conversation? Grace. Um, there's this, this permanent grace that has saved us that we stand in, um, and then there's this daily grace that we're supposed to pursue, um, that we're supposed to seek, that we have access to because we've been justified and yet we have to, to seek after peace um, and daily grace are these first two blessings uh, that Paul mentions from our justification. The last, the third, the third blessing secured by justification is this hope in future glory. Look again at verse 2. We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's a bit of a strange expression, I think, hope of the glory of God. Um, I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 17, where Paul notes um, that all present suffering for the Christian, uh, he says, he puts it this way, um, is a light momentary affliction preparing for us uh, an eternal weight of glory. Um, when Paul refers to the hope of the glory of God in Romans, he's referring to that eternal weight of glory that we have to look forward to on the last day. Uh, glory is what awaits the Christian um, in the future, in the new heavens, in the new earth. We, we will not only see the glory of God perfectly, uh, but we will ourselves be fully and finally glorified. Um, Paul speaks here of what God uh, will do, right? <laughs> because of what God has done, we can have this hope in what God will do, the glory of God that, that we're to hope for. Since we have been justified, um, we know that we are saved from the wrath of God. That's this, that, that is this, um, this hope. I, I do think, though, that sometimes we, we don't fully appreciate uh, or understand what that hope in the future is, what we actually have uh, waiting for us. So I was reading um, another story that made me think of um, how sometimes we don't realize how good something is. Uh, there's a, a story of a family uh, in Ukraine, um, a family that uh, had managed to, to escape, and they actually talked to like a, a little boy, um, and you could tell, it was like a five-year-old boy. The five-year-old boy was, was happy to now be, uh, I think they were in Warsaw, so they'd escaped Ukraine for, for Poland. And the little boy, who, again, was like five, he was talking about how he was so happy to like be in like a nicer home now, and like his school was a little bit better, and he had like new friends, and that was like, that was what he was like so excited about. And then you talk to the parents, and you realize that what he escaped was almost certain death, right? The, 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 the little boy understood that he had made it to something better, right? Understood that, that this, had, this was an improvement on his situation. But 
only the parents who had, you know, hidden the truth from a boy that young, only the parents really knew what he had actually escaped from, right? What, what had actually been realized in his life was not, not just a, a slightly better state of being, um, but instead um, an escape, uh, an escape from, from death. Um, that's, sometimes I think that's us. <laughs> we, we can focus uh, a lot on what's to come, on the promises we have of, of there being no more mourning and no more tears and, and how great the new heavens and the new earth will be. And I just want to remind us this morning that the, the greatest thing that we hope in is that we will be rescued from the wrath of God. Um, that, that that's actually, that's the greatest thing. Forgetting, forgetting all the other blessings, forgetting all the other things the Bible tells us about uh, the world to come, about heaven, um, most importantly, uh, most importantly, through faith in Jesus, through what Christ has done for us, through God's love for us, uh, we have this hope of being rescued, um, of being rescued um, from the wrath of God. There's another question that I want to answer, though. So those are three things that I think Paul wants to see, uh, wants to show us uh, that our justification secures, right, that our salvation secures for us, that's peace and daily grace and hope and future glory. The next question that I want to hopefully um, look at Paul to help answer uh, is, why is hope even possible? Um, why, why is hope even possible? I don't know about you, um, but even, even after hearing even after hearing Paul or somebody else tell me um, that because I'm justified, because I'm saved, because I have this relationship with God, um, it's not enough sometimes to just be you know, told, you now have this hope. <laughs> that, okay, great. <laughs> I don't know about you, but sometimes, uh, sometimes when I'm not uh, in a good frame of mind, um, that can be a hard thing to, to accept or a hard thing to understand how, um, how to have hope right now, um, how to have hope today uh, in this moment. I think Paul gives us a few, answering, uh, a few answers. Um, the first, which might seem odd, uh, the first is because suffering produces hope. <laughs> That's the first thing that Paul wants to show us, is we can have hope because suffering produces hope. Look at verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So he gives us this like logical chain, and I don't know about you, but even as I was reading it this week, as I was reading Romans uh, chapter 5, I decided to preach on that text before really having things to say. Um, I, I've kind of just read that a bunch in my life. I don't know if I've ever actually sat down and thought, like, how actually is Paul getting from suffering to hope? Like, it sounds nice. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character gives you hope. Somehow, we got from suffering to hope, Right? Uh, I want us to walk through that just for a second. Um, first, endurance, you can't, you can't actually have endurance without going through suffering, right? That, that you can't build up endurance without going through something that's hard. So I think we're about to start summer football. I coach football at Bessemer Academy. We're about to start, uh, you know, summer workouts for football. And one of the things you try to accomplish in the summer, especially later in the summer, is giving them some endurance, right? And the only way they can do that is by making them suffer a little bit, <laughs> right? <laughs> Carefully, <laughs> safely, um, but the only way that they can become acclimated to heat, the only way that they can work on uh, not being so tired in the middle of a game is by going through something that I guarantee you they would all call suffering, right? That, that's how you build up uh, that endurance. And that, that's true in life, too. That the only way for us 
to actually even have endurance, even build up endurance, is to go through things that cause us to have to endure. Hopefully that makes sense. Like you, we, we cannot endure unless there are things for us to endure. Um, and so suffering produces endurance. And then in the midst of that endurance, we, we build character. Um, I think we've all heard before, you know, character is who you are when, when no one is looking. Um, it's related to the idea of being tested and proven reliable, uh, reliable in the sense that you um, live a godly life, that you're holy uh, by God's grace, reliable in the sense that uh, all the pieces of the fruit of the Spirit are on display um, in your life, and uh, the things that we have to endure um, causes us to, to build character. So again, let's say that you have to uh, endure someone who is uh, unloving. Uh, just imagine, you're having to endure someone who is unloving. With that endurance, in that endurance, you have the opportunity to be loving back to them, right? Um, you can think of uh, a miserable job experience that you have, maybe one day, maybe for a long season, and in the middle of that, as you're seeking to endure it, it's how you can build joy, <laughs> how, how you can build joy um, in the midst of, of something that's, um, that's hard. You know, it's easy. We don't really build up our character trait of joy when we're, you know, on vacation at, at the beach, right? That's, that's easy, right? That's, we're not building our character trait of joy there. We're being joyful because it's nice outside, right? <laughs> uh, when you can actually build up your joy is when you are, you know, you're at work at a job that you hate or with some people that you find frustrating, right? <laughs> and that's how, that's how you can build kindness, and love, um, and patience, right? If you, you, we can't build up, just like we talked about with endurance and suffering, you can't build patience unless there are things you have to be patient for, right? I hope that that makes sense, that, that's, that suffering produces endurance, and then endurance um, helps us build character. God uses, um, God uses that endurance to build character. And then Paul says that that character produces hope. Uh, and for a while, at least to me, I think that's kind of the biggest leap. <laughs> like, okay, I've got this handle maybe on suffering to endurance to character, but then how does character uh, give us hope? And I think what Paul is reminding us about and what, what he'll remind um, his readers about all through his letters um, is that we build our character only through the Spirit of God working in us, right? And so as we are suffering and enduring and as our character is growing as we are being sanctified, as we're becoming more kind, more loving, more patient, that gives us hope. That, that gives us a greater sense of hope. That gives us an assurance um, in the hope of God, right? In, in the fact that we are saved, in the fact that we are in Christ. That, that the, the fact that we are growing in our character uh, should um, give us something uh, to ground our hope in. Um, because we only do that by the grace of God. Um, so why is hope possible? First, Paul says uh, suffering produces hope. Second, second is because the Spirit fills us with God's love. Look at verse 5. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. How does Paul know hope will not put us to shame? How does he know that hope or confidence or assurance is really possible in the Christian life? It's because the Holy Spirit works on and in the human heart. Um, and this is one of those things in the Bible where if, if you're a person this morning, 
that hasn't experienced that, there's not really any way for any of us to explain that to you. Um, the, the only thing I can say to somebody this morning uh, who doesn't um, know God's love for them, who doesn't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life, is to know that you can, <laughs> that you can. Uh, just by faith in the finished work of Jesus, by repenting of your sins, by turning to him, you can have a real sense of God's love for you because the Holy Spirit will come and abide in you and with you and through you. Um, that's, that's the other way that we can hope in this life is by feeling the love of God, knowing uh, that God is with us, that the Spirit of God um, is with us, that God has poured out his love for us. And then the last thing, how is this hope possible, right? So maybe, maybe we're going through so much suffering and it doesn't feel like it's producing hope. It just feels like we're suffering. Uh, maybe you're in a season of your life where you are a Christian, you're saved, you believe in that, and yet you're finding it hard uh, to feel the love of God, to know that the Holy Spirit is with you. The Really, the only other thing that I think I can give you that Paul gives us um, is to know that Christ has died for you, to know that Christ has died for us. When, when we are struggling um, to hope, when uh, I heard some old preacher once say, when our hoper is a little broken, right? when your hoper is a little broken, when, when you are struggling to feel that, um, when you are struggling to know that God loves you, um, one of the last things that Paul uh, wants to remind us of is then to just know in your head, in your mind, know that Christ has died for you. Uh, know that Christ has died for you. He, he mentions it several times, that Christ um, died for us, and Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us when we were weak. Christ died for us at the right time. Paul, he's reminding us of that over and over and over again um, because it's through that, it's through the death of Jesus um, that our hope is possible. Jesus died as an act of love, as an act of love that only God uh, could perform in order to reconcile you to, to, God, the, to God the Father. So to those of you this morning, um, first for, for a second, um, if you're not a Christian, if you don't believe uh, in what Christ has done for you, I encourage you, um, make today <laughs> the day of your salvation. Um, hear, uh, hear Paul, um, hear the Spirit of God um, preaching to you, telling you that you can have peace and hope and security um, through the shed blood of Jesus. Um, for the rest of us, those who are saved, um, those who have been justified, I just want us to all be reminded that that justification is not just a sense of salvation that's way off in the future or way back in the past. Um, it is something for us today. It secures for us peace. Uh, we no longer have enmity with God. We have peaceful relationship with God. We have grace that we can obtain daily to get through this life, and we have hope in a future glory that's to come. And we can trust in that hope, that hope is possible, because suffering in this life produces it, which doesn't make much sense, and yet God is wonderful, and that's how it works. Um, we know that God's love is in us, and we know that Christ has died for us. And so then um, we can go out and we can live lives confident, um, joyful, uh, and at peace with God. And then hopefully, since we're at peace with God, peace with others around us. Um, as we know and believe what God has done for us, we then show that as we relate to others, as our character has grown, as God makes us more and more like his son.
I'm going to say a prayer um, and then turn, turn the service back over to JJ. Father in heaven, uh, we do thank you. Uh, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you. Um, thank you again uh, for all the mothers uh, in our church, for all the ladies in our church, God. Uh, we thank you for all, um, all that they've done and all that they continue to do uh, in the lives of uh, their families, um, in the lives of our church, in the lives of their community. Uh, God, we also, uh, most of all, this Lord's Day, uh, we thank you for what you have done for us. We thank you for creating us in your image. Uh, we thank you that even though we wrecked that image in our sin, we thank you that you did not leave us there, uh, but instead you loved us, you had a plan for us, uh, you sent Jesus to die for us, to be raised for us, to live forever for us. Um, God, we, um, I pray this morning uh, that if there's anyone here doesn't know this hope, that doesn't have this justification, that doesn't have this faith, I pray um, that your spirit would move, um, that they would see their sin, they would see that they are not at peace with you, um, and that today would be the day that they could have that peace. And God, we pray um, those of us who are in you, those of us who have been saved, those of us who are Christians, God, we pray that this morning we would be reminded, uh, reminded that you have not just saved us and then left us there, um, but instead that you have given us peace and grace and hope uh, that we can use, that we can access uh, through your spirit, through your son, um, to live lives that are full and that are complete, uh, that have purpose. God, we pray that as we go through our lives this week, um, that we would live in light of that, um, that we would have this joy and peace that surpasses understanding and that we would show that to others um, even at times when in our own strengths it would be impossible. And God, we ask all this in Jesus' name.